Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We're talking today to Ross McElroy. He's the CEO of Fission 3.0. We talked to him about the relevant experience of his team and the options on some of the projects that they've taken. Also, he gives us an insight into their strategy and modeling and how he goes about targeting projects to ensure he ends up with winners and not just scraps. Hey, Ross, how are you? Doing well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, nice. Good, good, good to meet you. I've just, just been speaking with uh, Dev, hearing about fishing. So uh, this is the baby brother, Fission 3. Yeah, Fission 3 is a spinoff of, uh, of Fission Uranium Corp. And, you know, it's... Uh, it's had about a five-year lifespan so far, but you know, kind of focused in a different area. Yeah. Yeah. So, tell us about that. So, what what was the incarnation of it? Why why Fission Three? You know, really, it was all about um, still wanting to be able to be be an explorer. Fission Uranium, the big company, is really all about developing the PLS project, the Triple R deposit. You know, that's a project that looks like it has the legs and the ability to go through to ultimately a production story quite different than, uh, you know, the exploration arm. And really that's what Fission 3 was set up several years ago. It was spun out of Fission Uranium Corp. And, um, you know, just to be simple about it, what we did is we've acquired a lot of grassroots projects, primarily in the Athabasca Basin. And our goal in Fission 3 is really to go out and make a new discovery, similar to what we've already done several times in the Right, so let's say so this is a new story to everyone here. Um, let's just maybe take it from the beginning. So tell us a bit about you. What's your background? What, what's, what's your skill set relative to this exploration play? Sure. Well, uh, I'm a geologist. I uh, you know, started working in the industry back in the mid-1980s. Uh, interesting enough, I guess, um, and relevant for this story, my first job was with what's now uh, Cameco. So I, I worked with a uranium major. Uh, that was my first real job out of school. So I've spent, you know, the good part of uh, my early career in the Athabasca Basin hunting for uranium, looking for those high-grade deposits with Cameco. I ended up working with the French conglomerate as well, um, currently called Orano, um, but and they were really in the same space and looking for for uh, deposits in the Athabasca. So that's really where I got started. Um, I spent about 14 years with BHP, uh, mostly in gold exploration, gold and uh, diamonds. So I've, I've been a mine geologist with, with them up at the Caddy. So I've kind of, I guess you could say my career has really spanned everything from grassroots exploration in through uh, the mining and you know, and, and multiple commodities, but really uranium is my main focus. Right, and um, tell us a little bit about Paul Charlish. What, what's he do? Well, Paul Chardish is our CFO. Um, he's, you know, been a CFO with Fission Uranium Corp and, and has the same role with uh, with Fission 3.0. Right. Okay. Fine. Because obviously Dev, Dev's the market guy, so it looks like you're the technical guy, and I, I guess you're you're driving the the business. But you've been doing this five years. So what's what's happened in five years? What you, you've made some acquisitions or some taken some options? So tell us about that. Yeah. No. Well, it hasn't been acquisition. What we've done and probably, I guess, the whole history of the company, really, since I got involved uh, working with Dev back in, what would have been about 2007, um, we've been, 
acquiring our own ground. So we're kind of set up to do our own staking, do our own investigating of where we want to be stake ground organically. So we haven't done any acquisition deals. Now, we like to uh, pick up the ground early because that's the least expensive, but you have to have the expertise to do it. So we've built a team that can acquire good ground that way. Uh, we've been successful. And ultimately, if we are successful, you know, we're able, at least in the past, we've, we've sold um, uh, projects. We've, uh, in, you know, we've been a project generator. We've, you know, been able to, to get other people to invest in our projects. And really, that's kind of the model that we that we do. Well, let's, well, let's get into that because obviously I'm, I'm looking through the presentation, which people should have a look at. There's there's a lot going on in there. There's a lot of ground. What is the strategy? You talk about the model, but you know what's the strategy here? You're you're looking at a lot of or op, whether it be optioning or you know bu building out a lot of options here. At some point, you've got to make decisions because you need to finance this, right? You, you know this is an expensive business. It is, it is very much so. Um, you know, first of all, we start with the Athabasca Basin. That's a, a really, uh, I suppose it's the premier uranium district in the world. Certainly the home of the highest grade deposits yeah. is where I've spent a good deal of my, um, of my uh, career looking for deposits. I've been very successful at it. Um, so, you know, what we've been able to do is build a team of, of experts, geochemists, uh, geophysicists, structural geologists, th th looking for these deposits because they're, although they're, the rewards are tremendous, when you find a high-grade uranium uh, deposit, they're probably more valuable than any other type of commodity. They're hard to find as well. So you have to apply the sciences of, of uh, geochemistry, geophysics, and that kind of thing. So that's really what our team is built around. And that's how we go about starting to explore and, and make these discoveries. So obviously some, some assets are better and some ground is better than others. And you know, not all uranium plays are born equal, right? Even in the Athabasca Basin, even there. So, oh, absolutely. so what, is the, what is the process that you're going through to identify the targets which you're gonna focus on? Because we, we've spoken to a lot of juniors in the Athabasca Basin, right? And they're saying, because we're here, it's a home run, no problem. But that's not mining, right? So what, 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 what are you seeing? And, and, and that's not true. I mean, it's a home run if you make that discovery, but the failure rate you know, has been pretty high among uh, juniors. And really quite honestly, even with the majors, you, know, you make a, a significant discovery in the Athabasca Basin about one every five to 10 years, you know, that's sort of, uh, when you look at the as a whole, um, I've been fortunate enough. You know, when I first started, uh, I was working with Cameco. We made the discovery of MacArthur River, which is the world's largest high-grade uranium deposit. Um, so that was a you know pretty good experience. You, you learn sort of the the things that you're looking for. Um, you because these are deposits that occur below the surface. There's no surface ex, um, no surface exposure. So you're really trying to use the uh, the science of vectoring in with geochemistry and geophysics. And so, it, you know, it does take a pretty multidisciplined team in order to be successful at it. And I think that, um, you know, having spent time with the majors learning how they do it, you know, I think that that's, that's uh, you know, bode very well for us. And that's why we've been successful at what we do. So 
there's nothing easy about it. There's nothing fast about it. But if you learn how to select the right ground, you know the techniques to go through a discovery, you sort of know when you're in the right area, that's what's important. So how many projects have you got at the moment? Uh, Fission 3 has 16 projects. Right, um, that's a lot. It's a lot of projects. So you gotta know what you're looking for or else you're gonna spend a lot of money. So how, how quickly do you get to the point where you can make a decision and go 16 goes down to 10, goes down to eight, et cetera, et cetera? How, how do you play that? How does it actually work? Well, yeah, that's an always, uh, you know, it's a bit of an iterative process. You're right, you know, you have a, a land tenure sort of always in a state of flux. We pick up new ground, we you know, let other shed other ones. And that really, that's, that's part of the overall strategy, because you're right. Otherwise, you'll be spending money where you don't need to. And um, I think what we try to do is, first of all, we have a pretty good idea where the, the key areas are. And one of the strategies that we've used successfully with other uh, companies in the past, Vision Uranium is a good example, Vision Energy, the predecessor of that, is we pick ground that's very shallow, where we expect to make a discovery uh, within about three or 400 meters of the surface. In the high-grade uranium business, that's shallow. Right. You could, uh, it, it decreases your cost. Uh, it makes exploration actually somewhat easier um, and, and less expensive. And it's just that the whole process is really about evaluating. Ultimately, you want to get to a drill target. So you do, a, uh, you do your geophysics, you do some chemistry studies, you understand soils and you know this, this sort of thing. If you get to the point where you do a drill target, then you're really looking for the subtle uh, clues. You're trying to read the tea leaves that allow you to vector, 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 vector. What we're always looking for, I guess, at the beginning is smoke. All these high-grade uranium deposits have an aura around them of what we call smoke, and we're really looking for the fire, which is the the prize right in the middle. That is the high-grade uranium. The dimensions of it are probably not very big, they never are. Even the biggest, best mines have you know, relatively small deposits. A lot of uranium packed into that, but your target's small. So you're really trying to get yourself focused, 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 and make that hit. And so I'm gonna ask a question about the, the numbers here, and it may not, maybe a question for Paul, or maybe a question for David, but I'll, I'll ask you anyway. Obviously, market cap, 14 million. It's not huge. You've been going at this five years. How long have you been going at it properly in terms of you know, this, you know, Fission 3 proper? Well, uh, you know, we spun Fission uh, 3 out of Fission Uranium back in 2014. But at that time, really, the market in Uranium had been yeah. very slow. So yeah. one of the things that we did during that period from 2000, we'll say 14 to 2017, is we've been quietly um, getting ground, staking ground, picking areas where nobody's looking. And a lot of companies, to be honest, have not been all that active because the uranium market's been slow. So um, it's given us an opportunity to, I'd say, pick the best uh, the best places. So we're picking the, the you know the, the best fruit off the tree in in the slow times. And then towards the end of 2018, we were starting to raise money into the company that allowed us to put those dollars into exploration, money into the ground, and so. Um, fairly quiet, lean time for the first few years. Now we're starting. To, well, that's that's uh, what that's work. what I'm asking here. You know, I don't, you know, uh, you know, people can look at it and go, "It's been going five years; they've not done anything." But the reality is, it's only been just over a year. 
um, I guess when you first started, when you raised money, you know, I think like share price is around 30 cents. People are excited. It's around nine, 10 cents today. Your early stages is what I'm, what I'm hearing. So I'm sure you'll say uh, undervalued, I'm sure. But um, I, I'm more interested in the, the stage that you're at. And it really is about these projects and understanding what's there and vectoring in on which ones are more important to you than others before you move, move, move the company forward to the next stage. Is that, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, that, that's right. And I kind of group our projects, although we're in the Athabasca Basin where all of the projects are fairly shallow and kind of go around the edge of the basin where you would expect the shallowest deposits to be. As you move toward the middle of the basin, deposits could be there, but they you know tend to be fairly deep. So we're, we, our ground is around there, but we have, we're focused in areas where you know, where you say you would have historic mining district in the Key Lake side in the southeast part of the basin, that there's been a lot of discoveries and activities and mining history for the last 40 years there. We have property in and around there, you know, using new models to look for uranium that people hadn't really used before, um, but in a historic area of known uranium. We're also uh, have a really good land package up uh, in the Beaver Lodge Uranium City District in the northwest corner of the basin, that's where uranium mining first got started in the province of Saskatchewan. Everybody forgot about it. That was in the 1950s, 60s. Everybody went chasing stuff around Key Lake, forgot about those areas. So they're really underexplored uh, in the, you know, by modern exploration techniques. So, and uh, the, the third area that we focus on is around in the southwest part around our PLS project where this is where the newest best discoveries in the, in the basin have been in the last 10 years. Uh, in fission uranium, we've made the triple R discovery. Next gen have made the aero discovery. These are big high grade deposits in a brand new area. And so, you know, our land package sort of focuses mostly in those key areas. Okay, but so investor hat on, I'm trying to work out what's the timing from where you are today to that point where you're, you, you know, you're just creating a, you know, DFS, BFS. What's that time frame? So do I come in now, get in early? Do I wait, do something else, come back to you later? I mean, what, what do I do? Well, let me give you uh, some perspective with, uh, with fishing uranium and the PLS project, for example. That was a grassroots play, very similar to the sort of projects we have in Fission 3.0. In 2010, we did our first airborne survey of radiometrics and we found, uh, you know, high grade, well, we found radioactive anomalies. In 2011, we, we made the discovery, figure out what those were, that was a high grade boulders. 2012, we were drilling along the trend, made the discovery. So it was really about a three year period, two to three year period of starting to look at that project to making that discovery that was an, an absolute game changer. And I think that, um, you know, that's the kind of model that we're looking at. When we start looking at these projects, to me, it's uh, probably about a, a, at least a two, two year window when you start getting something really interesting that you might tag into. It generally never happens in your first pass on a project. You know, it, um, you have a good piece of ground. I've never seen anybody state ground make a discovery the first first year just sort of it doesn't happen that way and you you've also got something in peru 
haven't you? You do. So, yeah, this is the, uh, the person and Peru. Is, uh, yeah, you know, it dates back to the, the predecessor of all of them, Strathmore Minerals. Um, that was the first project into Strathmore in, in the 1990s. Right. Now, Strathmore, we saw various versions of fission out of that, but that was the first project put into, into the company back then. The government released ground. It was always, um, you know, prior to that, you couldn't stake for uranium as, as a public company. So it was government-held strategic uh, mineral title. So they they opened it up then. We, we acquired some ground down in that area. There has been an interesting history down in, in Peru. Um, we focus more on the Athabasca, you know, in our really? life, but uh, others have, have, have made some great advancements down in, in Peru in the Makisani Plateau. But is it just, you're, you're par are you parking yeah. that for now? Is that, that's something which the I Peru... Say, no, and, no, it's, the reason we don't uh, park it is because we're also a project generator. We've been able to attract somebody, uh, an investment group that's interested in advancing properties down there. So we're looking for uranium and lithium in a partnership with, with a private company right right there. So that really follows our preferred model of, of business that we do in, in Fission 3.0, which is we acquire the ground bring in others to spend money to um you know and and jointly together we explore and make discoveries okay that, that that's smart i guess the, the question is for me with the whole supply demand thing that's going on out there in the marketplace everyone uh you know you know every everyone's got a, their own opinion about that one but you know i think the general consensus is not a case of if it's a question of when um for companies like you, there will be other starters. There, it, it happened in the last cycle. It's going to happen again. There'll be more people coming to the party here. Do you think that you've hit you've hit it at the right time? Do you think that people coming in are going to be left with scraps? Uh, I mean, if you've looked, you spent you know five years looking at stuff. I mean, surely you you know you and others will have picked up the good stuff. I mean, what does it mean for all of these sort of new entrants coming in? Well, you're you're absolutely right. We saw that in the last bull run back in you know 2000 started in 2003 and four and that that time you know I remember seeing the entire Athabasca Basin staked up. Prior to that, the the whole eastern side of the basin was staked and had been so for 30 years, and that was mostly chemicals holding. Uh, and you're right, there wasn't a whole lot of ground available. But even the big guys dropped ground. The ground that we picked up into the old Fission Energy was a throwaway from Cameco called Waterbury Lake, and it's just part of the process. They they hadn't made a discovery there. They shaved off some ground. Um, you could look at it as a scrap. We we picked up a significant package in there, made a discovery right where um, right beside a company called uh, Hathor Uranium had made their discovery. We that was part of the same thing. So that deposit crossed the boundaries. So. You can still look in these same areas 40, 50 years out, even an exploration, still make a significant discovery. So that does happen. I think the key to everything, it's not thinking whether you got the scraps or not, but it's whether you have a team, a technical team capable to um, look at something in a new way and, and make a new discovery and have the guts and the, and the capital to be able to uh, to go out and explore. I've seen that too often. Now, 
PLS is another example where we just used a brand new idea, thinking outside the box, doing something that majors hadn't even done, nobody really had done, which was look for uranium in a new area outside of the basin. We were successful. So, you know, you can win both ways. Ross, I mean, great introduction to the story. First time we've heard it. Uh, wish we'd heard it sooner. Sounds like you've got a great team there. You're in the right part of the world. It'd be interesting to sort of see how these projects develop. You've got to stay in touch with us and, and let us know. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to. You know, we, we're, we think that this is just the start of a new uranium market, you know, and um, now that we do have an established land package, uh, we're not new to the game. Um, you know, I think that that really gives us a leg up on, uh, on, you know, what everybody else is doing. We've got the team, the land, uh, we know what, what to do. We you know you start bringing people back into, a, into, the, into the uranium market and it will become a bull market again once the price of the commodity continues to work its way upwards. I mean, we all, I'm not going to get into the demand, supply demand story, but really once, you know, once the price of the commodity moves up, and there's every reason to believe it will, that does create excitement for exploration companies in the uranium sector. And we're so well positioned to take advantage of that. We look forward to hearing all about it over the next few months. Appreciate your time, Ross. We'll speak to you again real soon. Very good. Okay, thanks again. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.